You're listening to a Royal Children's Hospital Education Hub podcast. Hello and welcome to the Paediatric Papers podcast, bite-sized summaries of pivotal paediatric literature so you can consume important research on the go. My name's Jai Gard and I'm one of the Education Hub Research Fellows and today is Monday the 19th of July. Assessing and interpreting injuries in a child can be extremely difficult. Fortunately, we have a few tools that can help us in some of these assessments. Today, we're going to tackle where one of these assessment tools comes from and what their findings were. Specifically, a tool used to help us work out whether bruises are likely to be due to non-accidental injury or potentially due to other harms, such as inflicted harms. A quick reminder that this podcast will focus mostly on the positive findings within the article. So for a more complete and critical analysis, please also see the Paediatric Papers website and written summary. And with that, let's get started. Today's article comes from Pierce and his colleagues in Chicago and is titled Bruising Characteristics Discriminating Physical Child Abuse from Accidental Trauma. It was published in the Journal of Paediatrics in January of 2010 and is a large retrospective case control single site study of children who attended a Chicago or a hospital in Chicago known as the Children's Memorial Hospital and who were admitted to their paediatric intensive care unit with injuries during a three-year study period. Now studies into forensic medicine including things like child abuse are notoriously difficult for a whole host of reasons. You can only imagine that trying to assess the validity of a report given to you by a child or by a caregiver on whether injuries were incurred due to abuse, a certain mechanism or not, would be notoriously difficult to try and validate. There's also ethical concerns. Be very tricky to try and expose or have a child who you don't think that there is a high risk of child abuse to undergo certain invasive investigations, things like uh, multiple x-rays involved in a skeletal study, particularly as it would be difficult to tease out what to do with those findings if you had an unexpected result. It would be difficult getting consent from families, children of families who are being investigated for suspicions of child abuse or similar events. It would be very difficult to try and get someone to sign and provide or to convince them to provide informed consent uh, to participate in a study that might elucidate further signs of injury or other troubles. And for this reason, I think it's worth spending some time reflecting on the inclusion criteria the researchers picked for children to enter into this study. Essentially, there were five criteria in which they used to rule children in. Notionally, that they had to be less than four years old and admitted to the paediatric ICU with an injury that was due to either an abuse or an accident. They excluded any children who was less than one year old, um, essentially because they thought that it would be difficult to identify a clear cause. They also excluded children who had an indeterminate cause of injury or any overlying condition that might make it difficult for them to develop a hard standing rule, things like an underlying coagulation disorder such as haemophilia or cancers. The five criteria they used to rule in or classify a child as likely to have um, had injuries inflicted as abuse were one, that the hospital had a local trauma registry that listed what injuries they believe were likely to be due to abuse. We have something similar in Victoria. The, the number two was whether the hospital team deemed that the injuries were highly suggestive 
of abuse. So in short, whether the local hospital team, the admitting team, equally concerned that these might be injuries due to or inflicted injuries. That three, the stated cause of injury, and it wasn't quite clear in the study who that was, whether it was a caregiver or it could have been in some cases a child, that the stated causes of the injury did not account for the type, the severity or the number of injuries, or that the history of another cause that might explain the injuries was either absent, that the history that they gave of this other cause was vague or that it changed over time. And five, finally, their state social services, so similar to our child protection services, determined that the child was abused. It would be worth taking some time to think about, can you see any troubles with those five inclusion criteria and the fact that the five exclusion criteria or Conversely, can you see any troubles with these being used as the only inclusion criteria, aka if children didn't fit any of these five criteria, that the teams would deem it as likely to be an injury due to an accident? The team captured just shy of 100 children over the three-year study period and mapped their characteristics, trying to find relationships between types of bruises, where they occurred, the age of the child, to develop a clinical decision rule. The rule was coined the bruising clinical decision rule, used to predict whether it was likely or unlikely that children had incurred bruising due to accidental or other types of injuries. This has been subsequently refined into something called the 10-4 FACES clinical decision rule. There's a web link on the written paediatric paper summary attached to this podcast. In essence, the article had found that any bruising in a child likely to be preambulatory, so less than four to six months old, has a high risk of being due to child uh, inflicted injury, that it was important to note the bruising location in these children less than four years old and used the example that if it was in a 10 location or on the torso, the ear or the neck in a child less than four years old or in older children, injuries to the FACES or the frenulum, the angle of the jaw, the cheek, the eyelid or the sclera are more likely to be come with a high risk of, or should um, spark a high risk that these may be due to inflicted injuries. I would encourage you to check out the Paediatric Papers website and the links for this episode that include some educational resources around some other clinical decision rules in the assessment of an identification of injuries. We've also previously done podcasts with the Director of the Victorian Forensic Paediatric Medical Services, Dr Anne Smith, who kindly walked us through forensic concerns with patients and their families and also how we might start the investigation process when we have concerns of things like child abuse. Thanks for listening. Please view the description section below for more information on this topic. The Education Hub is a collaboration between the Royal Children's Hospital and the University of Melbourne Department of Paediatrics and funded by the RCH Foundation.